Here we go. You're listening to Room Nation Tuesday Law and Gospel. I'm Tom Baker, and with me will be Mark Smith as we take a look at the hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist's Cry. Now, most hymns in the hymnal from the 18th century were either written in English or translated from the German, but this hymn is an exception. It was written in Latin by the rector of the University of Paris, Charles Coffin, who died in 1749. And it was for the 1736 edition of the Paris Breviary. It was mistaken for a hymn of the early church. In the 1736 source, the hymn was appointed for lauds, L-A-U-D-S. That's the morning office on weekdays during Advent. Most hymnals since the late 19th century, including the LSB, do omit the second original stanza, which reads the following. Even now the air, the sea, the land, feel that their maker is at hand. The very elements rejoice and welcome him with cheerful voice. Now, this is the hymn of the day for Advent 2 in uh, the three-year series. But because Advent 3 also continues the account of John the Baptist, it is an appropriate hymn for that Sunday also. We're going to be taking a look at Advent 2, the hymn. So, Pastor Mark Smith, are you using it this week, next week, or are you even going to use it? Yes, absolutely. We're using it this uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, that's the opening hymn. Yes. Yes, uh, a lot of people don't realize that this program takes a look at the hymns assigned for each Sunday of the church year. Uh, occasionally, you have two options, but most times there's one option and then there's a, a book that's available where you have oh maybe 15 more hymns uh taking a look at the old testament or the epistle or or the gospel but this is the main hymn for advent one so on jordan's bank the baptists cry now baptists is apostrophe S. It doesn't refer to more than one, but it's the genitive for John the Baptist. I always like talking about him as John the Baptizer rather than just John, because we have the Gospel of John and the letters from John. So I like to make that distinction. I don't know. Do you do that? Oh, uh... <laughs> No, I usually call him John the Baptist. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's fine. Or baptizer too. It doesn't, you know. To me, it's it's the same person. I know who I'm talking about. And I, I, it's kind of funny. I think that sometimes the the Baptist d denomination get credit for him. <laughs> you know what's so amazing is that John the Baptizer is the one who, of course, has a baptism, and the Baptist Church don't believe in baptism for infants. Yes. 
It just really is astonishing there. And the reason they don't is because they got caught up in this idea that a person must make a choice to believe in Jesus Christ. He must either invite Christ into his heart by a prayer or some such nonsense, as though unbelievers can choose Jesus Christ, which is ridiculous because they're unbelievers. And so it's unfortunate that their infants are are not baptized. And in order to cover the infant, they've kind of got a teaching that an infant isn't held accountable for his sin by God until he is older, which is really nonsense because Baptist parents punish little children for disobedience. So they do something that they don't think God does. And that really is strange. Yeah, the Baptists understand baptism as something uh, something we do for God. It's a way yes. of confessing our faith to Him. It's something we do for God. We, uh, according to the Scriptures, understand baptism as something God is doing for us. It's pure gospel. And uh, you are right. I'll tell you, that, to me, that is... That is the biggest, you know, there's many fine Bible-believing Christians in the Baptist Church, don't, don't get me wrong. But I'll tell you what, the fact that they deny infants baptism, that is really, that is really a problem. Because, because uh, well, because it's just such a, such a precious thing that you could be assured that that little infant is a, an, heir of, an heir of heaven and a child of God once they've been baptized. Who would want to deny their child that? He's, he's either in the... You know, that child is, there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of Satan and the kingdom of Christ. And once you baptize that child, he is safely plucked out of the kingdom of Satan and safely brought into the kingdom of Christ. Who would not want that for their child? Now, I just did a baptism for a seven-year-old who came up to me after a worship service two weeks ago and said, I would like to be baptized. And so we decided to baptize him the very next Sunday. Now, he is the one, though, who I asked him the questions. And one of them was, do you believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And he said, yes. Now, he knew that because the relatives were folks who were talking to him about baptism, about Jesus, about the Father, the Son, So I would say he did have faith. And so you could have children who aren't baptized who have faith. But for infants, the only assurance I think we can have, and that's the difference, is assurance. That's right. That's right. You got that. You got the. uh, You could be absolutely certain that child is a child of God and heir of heaven once they're baptized. Exactly. So if you'd be so kind to begin with stanza one. On Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of Kings. All right. Some children may not understand the word nigh. We don't use it very often. What does that mean? Near. 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 Yeah. And how near was Jesus to John the Baptizer? Well, you could say he's near, he's even related to him. 
you know the 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 uh, scriptures talk about Mary being related to John the Baptist's mother. She went and visited him, and Elizabeth. so they were near. They were related. Uh, he was actually a cousin, you could say, of Jesus, and was about six months uh, older than he was. And uh, uh, John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus coming, behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. He recognized him even when John the Baptist was in the womb of his mother. When his mother heard the voice of Mary, who was carrying the Christ child in her womb, John the Baptist, it says, leaped for joy. So he he seems to have faith even within the womb. And uh, We know he has faith because what did Gabriel tell his father? Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, what's, What are the exact words? That uh, he would be filled with the Holy Spirit prior to his birth. That's right. That is right. Yes. So if he had the Holy Spirit, he had faith. Absolutely. Exactly. So... There's no doubt that God did that with John the Baptizer, and uh, it's going to be kind of interesting that the Bible verse I'm going to be working on is that John the Baptizer was, you know, the greatest of all, but the weakest person in the kingdom of God is greater than John the Baptizer. Yes. John the Baptist, John the Baptist was... He was on the threshold. I mean, he's he's kind of he's kind of the, the the prophet on the threshold of both the Old Testament and the New. He was the the one of the most, if not the most, privileged of the prophets to uh, to know Jesus. Yes, in fact, Jesus says something about him in light of a prophecy from the Old Testament that before the Messiah comes, who's going to come? The forerunner. And that would be Elijah. Right. Yeah, that's right. He said in the, in the spirit of Elijah, he would, uh, he would return, right? And Jesus announces that John the Baptist is that person. That is right. All right, I'll read two. Then cleanse be every life from sin. Make straight the way for God within, and let us all our hearts prepare for Christ to come and enter there. Now, that almost gives the impression that we make a decision to let Christ enter. What does it mean that instead we let our hearts get prepared? Repent. For the yes. kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That's, that was John's message. His baptism was a baptism of repentance. And that, uh, that of course, coincides with the, uh, the Old Testament. Uh, let's see. John was talked about even in the Old Testament. Isaiah 40, a voice cries in the wilderness, prepare right. the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway of our God. This is every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. Um, it was a, it's it's about law and gospel. Every yes. mountain shall be laid low. If you if you think you're like the Pharisees or the scribes, think you don't need a savior, you're gonna be you're gonna be leveled, and uh, 
or if you're like that uh, publican, went to the temple, God be merciful to me, a sinner, you're going to be lifted up with the gospel. Well said. That's excellent examples. Yes. Uh, so that was a straight path. Make straight the way for God within. It, it's kind of like um, you go to the doctor for a regular checkup, and he finds that you have an illness that you are unaware of. Now, being aware of the illness doesn't heal you, but it prepares you for taking medicine or going to the hospital for surgery, etc., to alleviate the illness. So the doctor prepares you by giving you a diagnosis, but then the treatment is similar to like receiving the good news of the gospel. And that's how we would distinguish what John the baptizer does, diagnosis and then treatment. Yes. Now, uh, you're preaching for Advent, aren't you, on Wednesdays? Yes, that's, uh, that is the plan. Do you, well, uh, do you have a theme? Yeah, I'll tell you, we're doing, we're doing a series. It's called Songs of the Season. And it's uh, Advent meditations based on the great carols and hymns of Christmas. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, a lot so, of good singing. People love the Christmas carols, so it's. Yeah. Uh, I love. I love taking them through this series. That's good. The one I'm doing is I was trying to think of a theme and trying to think of what is the purpose of the Christian Church. And I came up with the word, it is to rescue people. So I'm going to be giving an example of a movie I saw. A, a guy decided he loved fishing, and he was going to go out on the lake because it had been frozen over. And they go out in the lake, they make a hole, and then they through the hole in the ice, they do fishing. But he was warned that the ice was pretty thin. But he went anyway, and he ended up breaking through the ice and falling under the ice. Mm. And so that's kind of what John the baptizer does. He warns us that we're on thin ice because of our sins. And that prepares us for looking for a solid foundation. And who is that solid foundation? Christ. Yes. So that's, I'm talking about each, we're doing four Wednesdays. So the four Wednesdays are rescued by the incarnation, then rescued by the crucifixion, rescued by the resurrection, and then finally rescued by the ascension. So I'm looking forward great. to doing those. That's great. Sounds like a great series. Okay, so... You did a great explanation on making straight the path of the Lord. Would you do stanza three? We hail thee as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace, we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. That, that definitely has the theme of rescue. Because yes. he's our refuge, 
He's our great reward. So we hail him as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. And then comes the gospel. Without thy grace, we waste away. So how do we understand the word grace in this context? It's for it's forgiveness of sin, life, and salvation. Yes. Can you remember the difference between judgment, mercy, and grace? Oh, boy. You got me then again. <laughs> I, I'm getting a little bit better at this. Okay. People ask judgment, me that all the time. What? Judgment is getting what you... That's justice. You mean justice. Yes. Justice is getting what you... Deserve. Mercy right? is... Getting what you don't deserve. No. no. That would be judgment. That, that's grace. Just okay. mercy is not getting. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. And grace is <laughs> getting what you don't deserve. Getting what you don't deserve, yes. <laughs> Boy, I maybe have a, in a year you know, I you'll it's, have it's those so down. excellent, Tom, but I have a hard time remembering the distinctions. I don't know why. And you always catch me on them. Just always say the word deserve. And then, yeah, yeah judgment. You know, I, I'm ready almost to write a paper. People... I've been talking about have no understanding of God at all. When you oh, get yeah. the Holy Spirit, that doesn't help you to understand God. It helps you to believe God. Yes, that's right. You can't always you can't always verbalize your faith. People are some people are better than others at verbalizing their faith. But that doesn't mean they don't believe. Right. And, and therefore, human reason cannot ever bring anybody into faith. Instead, right. the words of the gospel alone bring yes. people to faith. You yeah. can't convince someone. No. Uh, I heard somebody say, well, you use human reason to get rid of some of the ob objections. So then the gospel makes sense to you. No, the gospel never makes sense. When's the well, last time that somebody well, who you hate, you'd be willing to die on the cross for their sins? No, I know. But uh, apologetics, Tom, won't you agree that apologetics, and that's, that's uh, you, you, you can't prove faith, but you can use apologetics to kind of remove some of the obstacles so that they will at least listen. You know what I mean? No, I don't believe that at all. Okay, all right, I give. <laughs> no, that that's saying that the Word of God is insufficient. No, no, I'm not saying that. Well, if you're saying that you can use reason to get rid of obstacles, then the Word of God isn't sufficient. No, uh, the Word of God is sufficient, but... Um, give me an obstacle know. that you can relieve by reason. What? What? Give me an obstacle that you think gets in the way of faith that you can relieve. And oh. there'll be silence. There are none. I don't... What was the obstacle that had to be relieved for Paul to be converted? None. No, you, well, he, you're right. 
the the Lord appeared to him on the Damascus Road, and uh, he he was knocked down off his high horse, and uh, and he, he listened right away. Yes, and that was because the Holy Spirit created faith, mm-hmm. as the Bible was said. In fact, what were the obstacles that Jesus said to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, who couldn't believe that he had been crucified or that he had risen from the dead? There were none. He simply quoted. Old right. Testament Bible verses. I agree. So there is no obstacle that you can remove in preparation for hearing the message of Jesus Christ. There is instead repentance, and, and that's also the work of the Holy Spirit. A person cannot become repentant apart from the whole work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's right. I agree. Okay. I'll read stanza uh, three. We hail thee as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace we waste away like flowers that wither and decay. Now the yes, word weren't in you, there. Weren't you, weren't you listening to me? I read that verse already. <laughs> Well, no, I, I'm going over it because what does it mean, great reward? Usually you get a great reward because of something you do. How can you understand that from a law and gospel point of view? Let's see. We, we, we hail thee as our Savior, Lord, our refuge and our great reward. Yeah, yeah, good point. Uh, hmm. Yeah, without thy grace. I don't know. You know, I don't know what I would say to that. Uh, Jesus is well, the, I would, he's the pure grace. I mean, he's pure grace. We haven't done anything to deserve him. We're nothing but, you know, from sinners top to bottom, you know, so we don't, we don't deserve any reward he gives us. Yes. Well, we may not deserve the reward, but we get it. The example I like using is Jesus runs a race in the Olympics, and he comes in first. Yeah. But rather than him taking the the crown, he gives it to us. And so we get the reward, even though he's the one that ran the race. And, and that's in the Bible where it yeah. talks about Jesus running the race for us. And therefore, we get the reward, even though we don't deserve it. Okay. I don't so think that's reward how I is would the understand. best. I don't think reward is the best label for that. It's a, it's a pure gift, but I'll take it. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's a reward. Uh, you're going to be going to heaven. Isn't that a reward? No, it's a gift. Yes, but isn't it a reward? I don't care what it is. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I like using the word reward because... You if like you to look at the parable of the sheep and the goats, Jesus tells them, because you did this, because you did that, because you did this, inherit the kingdom of God. It's the yeah. work of the yeah, Holy but Spirit. He also says, that but he also says, Tom, fruit he of says, faith come ye blessed of the, my Father. Come ye blessed of my Father and inherit what I've, what I've given you. It's, it's, we're blessed. We haven't earned it. We're blessed. Come ye blessed of my Father and inherit uh, what I uh, give you. 
You don't think if you get an inheritance of a million dollars, that's not a reward? <laughs> it's a gift. Well, it may be, but people will consider it a reward, maybe because they were related to the person. There was this gentleman who gave a lot of money to a waitress because she dealt with him so wonderfully. Yeah, right. That's a reward. Yep. What have All we right. done to deserve? What have we done to deserve heaven? Nothing. It's absolutely. Okay, stanza four. <laughs> Lay on the sick thy healing hand and make the fallen strong to stand. Show us the glory of thy face till beauty springs in every place. How does beauty spring in every place when you know about show Jesus? The, show us the glory of thy face till beauty springs in every place. Well, our life our life has changed. We're a yes. new creation. Once, well once we come to faith, we're a new creation. Excellent. And things look different. I'll do the final verse because it's doxological. All praise, eternal Son, to thee whose advent sets thy people free, whom with the Father we adore, and Holy Spirit evermore. Now, that's a rescue type of stanza, because what are we set free from? Free from sin, death, and the devil. Exactly. Free from those consequences. And therefore, we are a child of the Father, a brother of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit is our comforter forevermore. And, and that's how Jordan's Bank, the Baptist cry, needs to be understood as people take a look at what God has to say through John the Baptist. So in a sense, your sermon this Sunday will be a John the Baptist sermon, won't it? Yes, you could say that. John the Baptist was a great man, and it's a great hymn. And we we thank God for sending us the forerunner, John the Baptist, to prepare us for the real blessing of our Messiah and our Savior. And that preparation occurs by using the law to convince us that we are a sinner in need of a Savior. So when we have that need, and we hear the gospel, the Holy Spirit creates faith in us so that we grasp a hold of Jesus. And therefore, we love to have him as our Savior. So, Amen. you going to use this for communion again or just a regular hymn? No, this is going to be the opening hymn. Yep. And I like it because it's doxological. I like to get the people standing for that uh, for that final stanza or call toll free 1-877-267-1962 okay. views and opinions expressed on worldwide kfuo may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of kfuo the lutheran church missouri synod if you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. 
We are the messenger of good news worldwide KFUO.